Well, for the past four weeks, we have uh, been uh, studying this concept of redemption. The uh, process of being purchased back, process of being restored, uh, process of being uh, brought uh, closer into the, the image of God and the way uh, our Creator uh, intends for us to live. And uh, that uh, culminated last Sunday as we had a, a fantastic celebration of Easter and uh, a holiday where we acknowledge and we celebrate that once and for all, uh, when Jesus Christ went to the cross and he over, overcame death, he defeated Satan and conquered sin. And it's an incredible thing, is it not? A powerful thing. Yet, Sunday afternoon after church, if you're like me, you probably went and spent some time with your family, maybe had some ham or something like that, uh, spent some time with your kids, put them to bed, stole some Easter candy, gorge yourself and uh, and unfortunately after such a powerful holiday and such an incredible and monumentous event even here 2,000 years later after Easter Sunday it's just another Monday morning except maybe you still got a stomach ache from all that candy am I right and here we are Kind of living in this tension of the of the here and now knowing that the most monumental event in history has already happened knowing that we are the redeemed people of god knowing that that christ has overcome everything and we live in this hope yet we still live in a world that is desperate for restoration and a desperate for redemption. And that's kind of the after Easter letdown. You come in and you celebrate and then you realize there's still work to be done. This uh, reality uh, became even more clear to me a year ago. It was actually just a little more than a year ago uh, today, but uh, from a liturgical calendar, um, it, uh, it happened, uh, this particular event happened the day, the Sunday after Easter. It was April 7th, uh, 2013. I, I was uh, working as an associate pastor at Olivet Church, this very church here, although uh, the same building, uh, different church. And uh, I, uh, it was about 7.30 in the morning, and I, I received a phone call right as I was getting out of the shower, and uh, one of the elders, of the uh, overseers of the church, had informed me that... Uh, uh, Pastor Sam had been taken, uh, found unconscious and taken to the hospital and that I needed to get here as uh, soon as I could. So I, I, uh, I hurried over and um, we uh, just did the best we could to uh, um, rally together as a church to pray for, for Pastor Sam and his family and to uh, continue to worship and, and, uh, and uh, live, uh, try to live with hope uh, in the midst of uh, what became a very what already was a very turbulent time for us as a church and uh, became even more so. Uh, so this is a, a, an anniversary of sorts uh, for, for me and, and, and in my mind and, and I think also for the Webb family. And, um, so uh, 
as we've been talking about redemption and these stories of hope. Um, when I, uh, I approached Nick uh, several months ago as we were planning this series, I thought, you know what? Uh, sometimes when we talk about redemption as something that has happened in the past, and it, it's hard to realize that redemption is an ongoing process. Uh, it's not, uh, not something that we can always just kind of tie a bow on and uh, say, oh, isn't that nice and isn't that pretty, uh, the way that God worked, uh, used a, a terrible situation uh, and, and worked it out for good. Uh, we, in faith, say that God is in the process of restoring all things, and we know that that means that even our, 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 our deepest shame, our hardest uh, trials, and, and the, the tribulations that we face on a daily basis, uh, that God will use those. Uh, that God is using those uh, in a process of redemption. But sometimes it doesn't feel pretty, sometimes it doesn't feel comfortable, and sometimes it's hard to know exactly uh, what God is doing or why he allows certain things to happen. So uh, I'm just going to ask uh, Sam to come up here, and, and we, he agreed to, to sit down and, and, and talk with me a little bit. And uh, we're just going to reflect together on, on this past year of what's happened. Uh, uh, where, where he's come from. Uh, some of you are very, very, very familiar with the story, uh, and, and some, of, some of you, uh, maybe this is unfamiliar. Um, so uh, we'll try and do our best to, to bring you up to speed, but uh, uh, before we do that, I'm just going to say a word of prayer. Uh, Father God, uh, we come to you in faith, uh, acknowledging that you are in the process of restoring all things unto yourself. God, that you have... Uh, done the deed uh, that is required, uh, and you have bought us all back with your blood, uh, with your sacrifice, with your atoning death, uh, that you have conquered sin, you have defeated Satan, and you have overcome death. Yet we live here in a time where we realize that it's the fundamental truth of the universe, that that is a reality that cannot be changed, but at the same time we, we live in a world uh, that is very much in need of redemption. We have lives, we have concerns, we have cares that, uh, that we know uh, are still awaiting your, your healing and your restoration and your redemption. And so we, we sit in this tension and uh, we acknowledge it and we, uh, we just uh, ask that as, as uh, Sam shares his story today uh, that uh, your presence would be, uh, would be felt, uh, that... Uh, um, that all of us might benefit from his, uh, his struggles and the difficulties he's had to face. Uh, and I just pray now that uh, you would uh, uh, just uh, calm uh, both he and I and, and help the, uh, the uh, emotions and the, uh, um, just the difficulties of, of, of focusing uh, give us clarity of thought. And I uh, pray that your church uh, and your kingdom would be uh, glorified as a result of this. We pray that all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Hi. So Sam, maybe, uh, maybe you want to just start by kind of sharing what exactly transpired as much as we know, uh, what, uh, what happened on that day and, and the, the days that followed, uh, immediately followed after that. I don't remember, <laughs> so I can't give you a lot of that. <clears throat> um, 
All I know is I am where I am today, for the most part. Um, I, I, I can take you through um, um, kind of what I've been told by people, and that's really about the best I can give to you following the fall. And um, the things that I have, I tell you, um, smartphones um, are great as is about, I have like every Apple device there is because I've got them all connected together and my memory for the past year is locked up in all these things. And if you ask me, you know, what I did six months ago, I could go, I'd have to go to that and find it and then tell you what I did six months ago because I don't have it up here anymore. But I do have the knowledge that I gained in regards to my academics and, and, and I know... Um, don't say it. Um, Amy Johnson was my therapist. And we, yeah, she was awesome. And, and, and through her, we had a real opportunity with, and I'll get their names, Vance. Is that right? No, that's Vance. Lance. And... Pamela, Camilla like Pamela, were my therapist, and they were all believers. And, and, and those are things that, that stick out in my head. What I did in therapy, I couldn't tell you. But I can tell you that when Christ is involved, that he weaves our lives with one another to help us through things, to assure that we make the journey that he's got us on. And he put Amy and Kamala and Lance in that path for months, six, eight, ten months. I don't know how long it was. Um, learning to walk. I'm sorry. Learning to rethink. Learning to um, remember stuff that happened yesterday. And to show up in therapy and do the same thing I did the day before because I didn't remember what I did the day before. And I would not, um, so I, I don't remember, but that, those are things I do remember. I, I, I don't know, um, I don't know what was at the hospital, I don't know where I was, I don't know um, those things. And, and um, it's just too hard for Brenda to, to share, so, you know, don't, um, she'd be a weeping mess, <laughs> which I'm going to be in a moment. Mm -hmm. she, she can join the club. Yeah, yeah my emotions are much more elevated than, than they were prior to this, so. So that's um, the story, the head injury, um, the trauma to the back and sides, um, kind of a, what do you call it? What did you say it was? I know it was you that said it. When the brain jumps around in there. Coup, counter coup. Where my brain coup bounced. I remember that from being a paramedic. Not from, you know, when you spend 26 years as a fireman and a paramedic, you, you, I can remember, this is weird, I can remember the dosage for verapamil from 1982, a 0.0175 milligrams per kilogram for body weight. See how that came out? <laughs> I can't tell you what I had for breakfast yesterday. 
and and that's um, I'm learning to I'm trying to learning I'm trying to learn to be okay with that. So um, for those of you that I say have I met you before and it's been the thirty third time, that's why. Right. Well, um, just just to give a, a recap, uh, I, uh, I I spent uh, some some hours uh, with, with Sam in the hospital, and, and uh, I can tell you the, uh, the journey went something like this. He was uh, found um, basically at the base of those stairs right out there uh, about 7 o'clock in the morning on April 7th. Uh, there was no one else in the building. Uh, there, there was absolutely, and this is the incredible thing, no, no sign of trauma, uh, bodily sign of trauma at all except for a bruise right on the top of the head. And so. Uh, uh, and obviously with, with no memory at all of what happened, the, the actual uh, event, uh, the mechanism of injury is, is, is a, a mystery uh, to this day. Uh, we really have no idea what happened. Um, it, it's just strange. Um, but there was no, uh, the, uh, uh, the suspicion is that it was a fall, that he sustained a fall of some sort, but it's hard to imagine a fall and a, uh, a head trauma without any other uh, injuries at all, bruising of any sorts, uh, broken bones or anything. Uh, so um, it's very, very, uh, very odd. And uh, he's, uh, I remember uh, getting through the, this church service and praying together as a church on the, on the, the Sunday of the 7th and, and rushing down. And, uh, and Sam at this point had been in, uh, moved into the ICU uh, where he spent about three to four days in the ICU and, and, uh, and uh, the criti critical care unit. Uh, and, um, and then he spent, uh, how many, about three more weeks after that, I think uh, a total almost, almost a month in the hospital um, recovering from his injuries, and not to mention then the, uh, the months of, uh, of uh, basically almost daily uh, rehab uh, for the next six months. So uh, the injuries were um, sustained, and even though we don't know exactly what happened, they were, they were severe. And, uh, and uh, you've had some memory issues. What else did you have to work through? You worked with Amy through uh, your uh, balance and, um, and just trying to regain your, your basically your motor skills and your... Yeah, counting, money, um, certain taking care of yourself like bathing, you know, taking my shower by myself without having some nurse watch me naked. And, uh, and taking a shower, um, and uh, you know they've got male nurses too. You know that, don't you? And they just seem to be scarce sometimes when you're in the hospital. No, I, I don't remember that. I'm making that up. I just made that all up, just so you know. Um, um, what was the question? Sorry. Well, you were just talking about the uh, the process that you had to, to go through to kind of kind of restore where you are to where you are at right now. Yeah. I, I read um, and I keep it kind of written down and on my it's on my iPad and my iPhone in a daily journal, and then there's um, uh, these post-it notes that I can pull up on my phone, and they're just kind of always there, um, you know. So you, I, I can bring them up so they're on my main page thing and all that. And some time ago I read on a, I didn't date it so I can't tell you when it was, I'm sorry, but basically it was, it's from Amos chapter 4 that says, Behold, he who forms the mountains and creates the wind and declares 
to man who are his thoughts what are his thoughts he who makes dawn into darkness and treads on the high places of the earth the Lord the God of hosts is his name and as a result of that you get to thinking about you know the for by him all things are created and held in place and somebody posted on this brain injury that one small crack doesn't mean that you are broken it means that you were put to the test and you didn't fall apart mm. and that's kind of the thing I'm trying to hold on to is that and, and I get really angry don't think I'm not frustrated and kind of got to be careful of my words because sometimes I'll say the wrong one and it Brenda's always correcting me don't say that um, you probably got it from the way I started to talk what I was going to say kind of irritated angry because I I feel like I should be able to do everything but I can't drive a car I can't really um, go into really super busy places without assistance um, the doctors have all said that these are things I'm probably going to live with the rest of my life and I don't mind being cracked we're all cracked a little I used to be really superior to all of you now I'm just like you <laughs> my brothers tell me now you act like you're a sister she was in the remedial classes in high school to put that in context I might be cracked you know and all of us are and without that crack there'd be no need for redemption and and it took the cross to fill the gap the crack but that doesn't mean we're broken in any sense of the word it just means we're not falling apart not because of anything we can do but because of everything God is doing mm -hmm. past present and future tense does that make sense to you okay. mm -hmm. yeah I mean uh, just just on what was it? it would have been Wednesday I remember we, we were sitting together at the McDonald's up in Grimes and I was asking you how you were doing and uh, you had just uh, on Tuesday received some some bad news uh, from from your doctor uh, and uh, you were pretty upset about the uh, uh, the outcome of that meeting, and uh, I yeah. don't know if you wanted to, to share about. Well, I thought I, I thought I did pretty good in most of the things that they put me through. Amy can FCE. What does that mean? Functional capacity evaluation. Functional capacity evaluation. It's done by someone like you, and. Uh, my notes tell me, as I had to read them this morning to know what I wanted to say, I did great. <laughs> and I failed, <laughs> according to that guy. That tells you what the thinking process is. You don't always, I don't always know something's wrong. I did a driving test, and the guy sitting next to me, according to my notes, was, we drove many miles. I did really good. I think this is great. I did excellent. I failed. I don't know what the guy was thinking. Um, so, and I didn't know that till we met with the doctor. Mm -hmm. That these are things I'm probably permanently going to have to live with. Um, 
maybe not, maybe not. It just depends. It's only been a year, so there's still maybe healing take place. I keep looking at Amy because she's like an anchor. Um, but what I'm struggling with is living with this in the now because I want to be back to who I was. Mm-hmm. We all want that. It doesn't matter if it's physical things, medical things, personal, social, spiritual. We wish we could be back to perfect, but let me tell you, it's those scars and warts that define you and how God can use you. And he, you're, you're in his story of redemption. Period. Mm-hmm. So use those things. Use our scars. Use our warts. Use our pains, our sufferings, our to, 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 sorry, to, 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 um, to navigate culture and proclaim the good news of repentance and forgiveness of sins. Now, how I'm going to do this, I don't have a clue. Andrew said I already did once, but I don't remember that, so. Yeah, I, I just remembering a couple of stories. I remember, uh, oh, a couple of, of weeks after the incident, I was, uh, I was sitting in his uh, uh, hospital room, and we were sitting and talking, and uh, this... Uh, uh, a Bosnian girl uh, came in. She was, uh, I don't know if she was one of the housekeepers or, or what, but she was, she, she was, uh, had been talking with Sam, and, and uh, he, Sam found out that she was a Muslim, and, and, uh, uh, and seeing this, this kind of dialogue back and forth, and, uh, uh, and, and Sam is saying, you know, does your, do, does, your, does your God love you the way that Jesus loves you? Because I know that Jesus loves you. Sam can't even remember what he had for breakfast, but he, here he is t- telling this girl about the love of Christ and, uh, and, and um, just, uh, just preaching. And I, I remember thinking, man, you know, uh, despite all of this, here he is just trying to tell people about Jesus. And if you, if you, if you knew Sam before the accident, you know that was just kind of what he did. Uh, so it's, it, it's, it's been a uh, pretty incredible thing for me to see the transformation that, that has happened uh, and all the with all the injuries and the the, the ways that uh, Sam has had to change, and uh, but at the same time, that's still Sam. That's still Sam. He's still he's still there. He's still trying to uh, tell people about Christ. And in fact, I remember um, several months after the accident uh, was one of the first Sundays or uh, Mondays where where Sam was back in the office uh, for prayer. And before prayer had started, there was a phone call, and um, and this is of course uh, long after. Uh, uh, all of that church uh, no longer existed, and uh, we were we were uh, Creekside Church together. Uh, but somebody called and asked for Pastor Sam, and uh, um, I said, "Well, as a matter of fact, uh, Pastor Sam happens to be here." It was kind of a, an incredible thing, and and this was a a woman that was a housekeeper at in the hospital, and knew that Pat, Sam, Sam was a pastor. Uh, somehow got his business card, his phone number. And was calling just to check in to see how he's doing, and uh, because uh, he had talked with her and and and, and shared with her that uh, his care, and she was just checking in to see and thanking him and asking him if he if he could uh, continue to help her with some some assistance that she needed, and and so here's Sam once again in the hospital, uh, you know, trying to struggle to regain uh, his uh, his basic functions and and still uh, impacting people and, and sharing the love of Christ. Uh, with them. Uh, so uh, just a couple of examples that I, I, I can remember uh, 
just of ways that, uh, despite uh, the the brokenness, that you continue to uh, see God's God's work and, and and seek God's work in your life. Um, so, uh, one of the things that I wanted to to ask you, and you, you shared one passage, um, but uh, this experience. Uh, and, and, and the trauma that you've experienced and the, the, the condition that you find yourself in now, uh, it's changed the way you see things. It's changed the way you understand yourself, and I understand it also. Uh, certain, certain scriptures and certain, certain concepts uh, have, have uh, changed in your mind as well. Do you mind uh, sharing some of those with us as you uh, just process through them? You may have to remind me what we talked about, <laughs> so I know. Um, um. Well, I, I, I think one of the things is that um, I, what the Lord is, is teaching me, it's really a very difficult thing to accept, is that God's put me on a new assignment. I don't know what that assignment is. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I've looked back at you know, James chapter 1. You know the passage very well, probably that uh, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because those trials perseverance perseverance you know help us to become perfect um sorry i can't quote it and but the context of that not the context of it because it's that, that is the context I mean, when you when you're up against the wall rejoice that's hard but but the greek the greek Intent is this, that it's not consider, consider it pure joy. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying that consider, think about joy. Put, it, put joy in your mind when you're in these circumstances. Don't consider, you don't have to consider the circumstance, whether, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a fall or loss of a child or um, cancer or um, a sinful history. You don't have to consider those things joyful. What you do is, in, while we're in them, consider being joyful. Does that make sense? So think about joy when I'm beating you with my cane. Okay? Think about joyfulness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long suffering, all those things. Think about those when life seems to really have you pissed off. Oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. That's one of the words that comes out. <laughs> sorry, Brenda. When you're angry and when you're... Um, just, you consider joy. And, and so that's kind of what I have to do. Con, you know, consider joy when I walk out to my car and realize I don't have a driver's license anymore. They've hidden the keys from me because they know I drive it. They know I'd be somewhere. I mean, the reality is the reality. I, I have to stop and say, wow, you know, it, it's probably joyful for everybody else on the road. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to think. Um, and, and so consider it joy. And, and, and the other part that feeds into that is Paul's, um, Paul's um, what's the verse? What's the chapter? No. I'm asking the wrong question. What's the book? Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 12. 
Paul prayed three times, right? So that's why he could write, consider joy. Consider joy. Consider thinking about joy. Because I've prayed three times that this would go away. But God says, forget it. In the midst of it, consider joy there too. Because my grace is sufficient. For in your weakness, I'll make strong. And, and, and the one sin that we all share in common is pride. Some of us have it much more than others. And, and so realizing that even though I'm cracked as it is, there's still some strength that's going to explode somewhere, somehow, sometime. I don't know when. Maybe it was all for this woman that called the church. I don't know. But, you know, his grace is sufficient. And isn't that great that, that redemption, being redeemed, bought back with a price, and, and, and saved by grace? Um, I'm losing my thoughts, sorry. It'll come back. Talk amongst yourselves. Um, is, um, oh, it's good enough. Let me just stop there. It's good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember we were kind of talking through this. Uh, on, uh, at I, I don't know what the people sitting, uh, sitting next to us at McDonald's on Wednesday were thinking when they were seeing two grown men talking and getting all weepy and, and, and uh, you know, sharing these things. Uh, but uh, when Sam started talking about how he's had to just come to terms with his brokenness and even just even on even on on uh, on Tuesday at the, getting the news from the doctor hey you you might not get your driver's license again you probably won't I think is what he told you and this kind of having to come to this realization that this this is this is probably a permanent condition at least yeah. to some degree gotta buy bus pants and uh, you know I, and as you started to reflect on that, that verse to me, I was sitting there thinking to myself, gosh, the only difference between you and me is you're, you're aware of your brokenness and you're, you're having to deal with it. And uh, for myself, I, I pretty much try and, and deny it or hide it or, uh, or run from it as much as possible. Yet, what did Paul say? It's not, in your, it's not in your strength, it's in your, your weakness that God's power is made, made perfect in us. Right. I think that was uh, really true um, for you uh, uh, getting to watch you uh, kind of come back into ministry here and uh, the opportunity you had this past year to minister with the, uh, the Iowa Wild mm. hockey team. Uh, this is... Just crazy to me how this all happened. That that uh, Sam had uh, uh, interviewed for the you interviewed for the job as a, the chaplain of the, the wild team hockey team, and you probably you, I don't think you told them about your injury yet, had you? But you interviewed and you you beat, beat out uh, what? That's because I had done not, I'd done it before. Yeah. Somewhere else. So you had you had some experience. So here, here's uh, <laughs> Sam uh, coming into uh, to these. Uh, uh, professional hockey players, these young men, uh, 
and uh, they're uh, just one step away from the NHL. And uh, and here here comes Sam. And uh, well, why don't you share about that experience a little bit? What what you did and what you what you experienced with them? I, it, it was. I'm really not sure what you're asking, but um, what I experienced. Um, we. Hockey Ministries International is something I was associated with in Arizona, and they work with um, all levels of hockey. And we were given the chance and um, to be the chaplain to this group of guys here. And our first chapel, um, we had um, several guys that signed up and, and came, and I think 11. And really the thing, when many of them are Catholic, they come out of Catholic countries, um, many of them come out of Most of them from Europe. Europe and Canada. And one of the things that I do remember very clearly is they'd never heard the Bible talked about as a story that they can fit into. And so we spent a lot of time in our chapels talking about God's grace and God's personal involvement in their lives. But we, it just, was good, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I stay in, still the season's over, um, but stay in, I'm staying in touch with many of them, and that's not good. I'll get it. Um, can you still hear me? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but, and, and it's fun. Um, I don't know how many hockey fans. Terrible church, come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, we're, we're, I'm definitely a Wild fan, Minnesota Wild, Iowa Wild fan. Um, but I, I've gone fishing with these guys, one of them, a couple of them. Um, down at Ken Taylor's place, we caught a walleye. I mean, seriously, a walleye in his pond that big, Tom. you believe that? And um, it, we have I've had a lot of fun with them. And just being a friend and available and they call me and they text me. And I don't know if any of you are watching the, not the Calder Cup, because that's the AHL, Stanley Cup. Um, we're following that because the goalie for Minnesota, Darcy Kemper, was one in my chapel here. And Eric Howla, one of their great forwards, was in chapel here. And they still text me. I just find that amazing. And, and, and I can text them. So it's, um, it's, it, 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 it's, been, um, it's been a blessing to give me a way to continue to think about church and ministry. Mm -hmm. When I was just, uh, when, I, when I heard that uh, you had been uh, selected for that, and as I heard stories that, uh, that have come out since then, I, I can't help but think, what, a, what an incredible opportunity this is for these young men, they're, you know, 19, 20, 21, most of them probably, uh, great uh, physical athletes, competitors, um, coming from, from countries where uh, they've had kind of what religion they've seen has been very high, uh, very uh, authoritarian, uh, very, uh, very regimented. And to come in and to see somebody like Sam, they've all had concussions. They've all had head injuries. They've all, they all know what it means to, to suffer an injury and have to come back. Uh, and and to, see, to see a person like Sam walk in and say, hey, you know what, I just want to tell you the story of Jesus. I just want to tell you the story of the Bible. Uh, the way these kids, uh, kids, these young men have 
uh, responded to Sam and the stories that I hear, and he, he's been so kind as to share some of the emails and texts that he gets from the students or from the, from the players. And uh, what an incredible thing. And I'm thinking, you know what? If somebody came in there uh, that was, you know, uh, you know, came in and said, you know what? I know everything there is about Jesus, and I'm going to just tell you what you need to know. I don't know if these, these, these players would respond the way that they have, and, and the, the ministry that he's been able to do with them has been really profound. Uh, so that's been a, a, a grace in and of itself. Uh, as, as we're wrapping up here, uh, I'd just kind of love to hear, kind of as we've, we've talked about redemption for the past month, as we're moving in to talk about uh, uh, the story of Jesus through the, through the, the Gospel of Mark, what, what, can you, what can you share from your experience about, uh, about what redemption looks like and is, is looking like in your life here now? Uh, you know, I, um, it's one of the questions he actually has here. Can you share some of your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> one that's not on here, you've talked about Adam and Eve. And let me go, th- th- let me go through um, those four kind of quickly, and then I'm going to stop at one, not at one of these, but I'm going to add one that you don't, didn't, didn't talk about. You know, I, we, we often talk about redemption. I'll be really honest with you, and this is how my brain is working, so if this isn't heresy, I don't think we get redemption. I mean, we get it from this perspective. God took me back to the store and got the nickel, and I'm his. In other words, God, God paid the price. We get that. But when we, we, we cheapen it when, we've, when we don't think about the cost of redemption. I mean, gut-wrenching deep down. Don't just pass over, please, by going, redeemed, redeemed. We sing that song, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I don't think the church ought to sing that because I can't think of a lot of people in the church today that are redeemed and love to proclaim it. I think we're afraid to proclaim it. We're afraid of culture. We're afraid of being ridiculed, losing our jobs. We're afraid of what the school might do to us or the teachers or the law system, legal system. But as I've thought about it, what, what do I lose by, by proclaiming it? Zilch. So I lose my, you know, so somebody gets mad at me and hits me in the head. <laughs> That's happened before, a year ago. But, 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 but redemption, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's a free thing from God, but it is a costly thing from God. And there's pain in our lives that bring us to that. Adam and Eve, can you imagine the emotional torment that caused them to hide from the creator who put them in the garden? The fact that this God they've known of love was now in the midst of them, but they were so afraid. Angry, hurt, blaming, blaming God. Yeah, if you wouldn't give me that woman, God. Shaming Eve. Oh, it's my fault. That, I, I can't imagine the emotional torment they were going through. And then God re- re- redeemed them in reality. When he, when he shed blood, made them close, that's, a, that's an act of redeeming. And then went on. I, I think of Isaac and Jacob. 
uh, or no, Abraham, Abraham and Isaac. Um, and, 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 and all the emotional torment that father was going through, what Abraham was thinking. But what was his son thinking? I think he probably knew what was happening, but he had to carry his own bundle of sticks up the hill. I mean, God used, his father used him as a mule to carry everything to the place of sacrifice and all the emotional torment and, and, and the heaviness of that burden that, 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 that occurred. And then God redeemed him with a with ram. But that, those images, I don't think Adam and Eve will forget those images, will you? I mean, bad things happen, something terrible happens in your life, the image is probably still there. The same goes for, for Isaac and Ab or Jacob, Abraham and Isaac. Mm -hmm. Ruth, a woman, scripture, scripture, the law, the law said, remember this, the law says that one who marries a Moabite cannot enter the temple up to the 10th generation. Boaz says, I'll sacrifice that for the love of this woman. In, a, in an honest way. Ruth, who, who threw herself into the dirt and the dust to, to glean for her mother, to take care of her mother. Naomi lost everything. Her husband, her sons, a daughter-in-law lost it all. To come back and to find a kinsman redeemer. I think there's pain and agony in that. It's not, redemption isn't easy and it's not cheap and it is painful and it does hurt and, 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 and there's so much that it involves and then Christ on the cross that one speaks for itself right but one we miss uh, and, and, and this one's become very very and I'll be quick because it's 1130 um, um, you ever thought about the thief on the cross the two, both of them Mark, Mark puts it there. You're going to read about that, Mark? Luke tells us this story that one began to criticize him. Hey, if you're God, save yourself and save us. The other one said, leave him alone. You don't have a clue who you're talking to. And then turns to Jesus and says, remember me when you get to heaven. Let me ask you this question. What did that thief have to offer God for that redemption? Nothing. Nothing. We really, in reality, we have nothing to offer God. All the thief could do, I mean, he was dying. He couldn't get down and go do good works. He couldn't go to get down and go to mass. He couldn't get down and go to the temple. He couldn't go down and get cleaned up and washed and purified. He couldn't do anything. And God redeemed him. That's how I feel right now. Just so you get the image. I feel like that guy that's, and I'm trying to figure out, Lord, what, what is it? And what I keep hearing God say to me is, it's already done. And, and that is hard for us to get in our head. It's already done. Because we're still trying to perform, aren't we? And, 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 and so, you know, that whole image of, um, whole image of 
the fact that we come to Christ and we don't have, you know, when we, when, we, when we proclaim redemption, that's what I'm trying to get to. When we proclaim redemption, Mark chapter 1, John the Baptist is saying in the first few verses, he came crying out or proclaiming repentance and forgiveness of sins. I'm going to ask you to do something. Don't, don't worry about what people bring to the table when you're sharing that with them. Because it, it, it's not your problem. If they're, God takes care of the words. Word proclaim it. Word to proclaim it. I'm losing my thoughts, so I better well, stop or it'll get really weird. Must be weird. time to wrap up, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I'll just kind of add to, to what you say by way of a, a closing thought here and just that uh, we don't really like, as much as we, we like to talk about redemption, I think there's something deep down where it's hard to admit that you need to be redeemed. I think it's hard for us to want to be redeemed. We, we, we live in the, uh, the, the, the people of the, uh, 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 the society of the pull yourself up by the bootstraps, uh, manifest destiny, the American dream. If you just work hard enough, you can do it. Uh, and there's something so uh, self-sufficient about our culture uh, something so proud about the way that uh, we, uh, we live our lives on a daily basis. Um, but for us to say, you know what, here I am, I'm broken, I need to be redeemed. That's, that's the fundamental truth about who we are. And along with that is, we already have been redeemed by Christ. And even though it doesn't feel like it, even though uh, we are still subject to, to change, to decay, to death, uh, we have confidence in our Redeemer. And so as we uh, get, get ready to come to the table this morning, uh, we can do so uh, confident in who uh, Jesus is and what he's uh, done for us uh, as, a, as a church and as individuals. So, um, Sam, did you want to, uh, did you want to uh, share, share your, your communion thought to, as we... Move. Go ahead, go ahead, uh, Tim and the band. You guys can come up and, and uh, we'll. Uh, well, remember, communion re represents Passover, and at that moment, in that being redeemed, that the death has passed over us now, it is as it, as it did then. And I think Jesus he was really excited about sharing Passover with these guys. In fact, he's, I know that because he says, I desire with great desire to eat this meal with you. Knowing where he was going. I think that's amazing that he desired to have this. It was a teaching moment. And, and, and so I, I pray that we come to this with the understanding that um, this is it, it, with a desire to want to partake with Christ. That, that communion is about that. It's about desire. It's about the kingdom of God in that um, Jesus you know, it's about his kingdom I lost my thought you know, we, we, we talk, talk about it as the resurrection um, and eternal life we talk about it as the cross but let's not forget that it's also about his return because he says I won't ha eat with this the next time Jesus eats of the bread and the wine is when we're all together
Isn't that cool? So take it remembering that too. That not only do we take it because it's what he did on the cross, but we get it, we take it every week to, to know that when Jesus returns and we're all in heaven, we're going to take it for the first time in glory with our, and he's going to take it for the first time with us in glory. I just find that phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So come with desire in your heart to say, I want to, 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 um, I want to come and I want to enjoy this and celebrate what, what Christ has done because I know what tomorrow holds beyond this life and get excited about that. That's all I got. Sam's shaking his head, don't clap for him, but powerful that someone experienced something like this that can get up and touch our lives with that story when it's very hard to do. And I know he touched my life this morning uh, and some great words that I wanted to hear. And so it's really exciting to see how God can use us no matter what the circumstances. You know what? Last week we celebrated Easter. Do you guys know he's still risen? (laughs) We're still going to celebrate. And this next song we're going to sing is a celebration of that fact, that our Savior's still risen and continues to be risen. He's defeated sin and death for us for eternity. And so we're going to sing this song. We're not going to take communion until after this song. Uh, so I want you guys to, to listen to the words and pick up when you can learn this. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and sing out before we take communion here. If there are words for him, then I do not have them. You see, my brain is not yet to reach the point where it could form a thought that could adequately describe the greatness of my God. And my lungs have not yet developed the ability to release a breath with the enough agility to breathe out the greatness of his love. And my voice, you see, my voice has never inhibited Restrained by human limits that it's hard to even sing the praise of. You see, if there are words for him, then I do not have them. My God, his grace is remarkable, mercies are innumerable, strength is impenetrable, he is honorable, accountable, favorable. He is unsearchable yet knowable, indefinable yet approachable, indescribable yet personal. He is beyond comprehension further than imagination, constant through generations, king of every nation. But if there are words for him, then I do not have them. You see, my words are few, and to try to capture the one true God using my vocabulary will never do, but in a use to use words as an expression, an expression of worship to a savior, a savior who is both worthy and deserving of my praise, so I use words. My heart extols the Lord, blesses his name forever. He has won my heart, captured my mind, and he has bound them both together. He has defeated me in my rebellion, conquered me in my sin. He has welcomed me into his presence, completely invited me in. He has made himself the object of my sight, flooding me with mercies in the morning, drowning me with grace into the night. But if there are words for him, I do not have them. 
But what I do have is good news. For my God knew that man-made words would never do. The words are just tools that we use to send to the point of the truth. So he has sent his son, Jesus Christ, as the word, living proof. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things are created, giving nothingness formation. And by his words he sustains in the power of his name. For he is before all things and over all things. He reigns, holy is his name. So praise him for his life. Praise him for his life, the way he persevered in strife. The humble son of God becoming the perfect sacrifice. Praise him for his death. That he willingly stood in our place. That he lovingly endured the grave. That he battled our enemy and on the third day rose in victory. He is everything that he was promised. Praise him for the risen king. Lift up your voice and sing for one day he will return for us. And he will be finally united with our Savior for eternity. Eternity. So it's not just words that I proclaim. For the words point to the word. And the word has a name. Hope has a name. Glory has a name. Peace has a name. Love has a name. And that name is Jesus Christ. Praise him forever. Thank you.